Good morning, DC family. Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. As always, brought to you by DMV Sports Network, your number one source for sports in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Frank. I am joined today by Brendan. Brendan, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Pretty good. You know, same old, same old. We just had a Exciting all-star break, I guess, or all-star weekend, I should say. Um, as we know, Brad Deville was not in the all-star game, unfortunately. But looking past that, the Wizards were represented somewhat. Uh, Rui Hachimura and Mo Wagner were in the Rising Stars game. And Davis Bertans participated in the three-point contest, coming in third place behind Buddy Heald and Devin Booker. Now, Brendan, I know you told me you weren't able to catch the Rising Star game. I was only able to watch a little bit of it, but just looking at it from a big picture, seeing players like Rui and Mo Wagner represented on a national stage like that, how cool is that just from a fan perspective? And, you know, what's the significance of having Wizards players, you know, represented on, like I said, the big stage like that, um, if you think there is any at all? Yeah, it's it's definitely really cool, especially when, you know, the Wizards have been trying to up their international personnel and um, all that kind of thing, you know, the whole overseas influence and all that. So definitely pretty cool to see Mo Wagner and uh, Rui in that Rising Stars game. And um, it's definitely cool to see our team represented, as you just said. Bradley Beal got ripped off and, uh, you know, wasn't in the All-Star game. So it was good to see Bertans in the three-point contest and then, uh, you know, Rui and Wagner in the Rising Stars. So, yeah, it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, so... Before we get into Bertons um, and three-point contest, because that was obviously the highlight of the Wizards weekend, um, touching a little bit more on Rui, he definitely showed that his media presence and, I guess, borderline, not stardom, but his brand is definitely up there with some of the top rookies in the league. He had a quite the media following um, during All-Star weekend, as he has pretty much since he got drafted here. But with that being said, even though his media presence is large and you saw he, he got a picture with Allen Iverson, he had LeBron James was asked about Rui and he had some good things to say. At least from my perspective, it still feels like he's flying under the radar a little bit, at least in terms of of rookies like Zion and John Morant. Rui's not really talked about amongst the top rookies in the league and for whatever reason that may be, but do you think that Rui's still flying under the radar a little bit, or do you think he's pretty much garnering the respect that he deserves um, halfway through his rookie season? I think he has gone a little bit under the radar, to be honest with you, because when you watch him play, he's definitely, I mean, he's really polished. I mean, outside of John Moran, I mean, he's one of the most polished rookies, if not the most polished rookie. Uh, you know, the injury, we obviously know, probably has something to do with that. I think that if he had more opportunities to display his talent at this point, that we would be hearing more about him. And we know that he got some love from the NBA rookie ladder early on in the season, but then he, um, you know, caught that injury bug. So uh, hopefully he continues to shine down the stretch here. Yeah, 100%. And are you confident that this won't be his last time making an appearance at All-Star Weekend, whether it be in the Rising Star Games next year or possibly even, you know, becoming an All-Star down the line? I know it's a loaded question, but just thinking ahead, um, do you think we'll definitely see Rui back at the All-Star Weekend in some fashion moving forward? Yeah, I definitely think he'll be an All-Star at some point if he continues to improve. Yeah, well, hopefully that is the case. 
And moving forward here, or moving along, I should say, uh, we talked a little bit about Davis Bertans, who was in the three-point contest and nearly came out with a victory. He had 26 points, or 20, a score of 26, I should say, in round one. He hit all five of his money balls, including one of the new Mountain Dew four-point shots, which is cool to see. And then in the final round, he had a score of 22, which was unfortunately not enough to compete with Devin Booker's 26 and Buddy Heald's 27. Still, Brendan, watching Davis Bertans, were you more disappointed that he wasn't able to win, or were you more just excited to see one of our favorite players compete against some of the best shooters in the NBA? Yeah, I think I was just more excited to see him out there and um, see one of our shooters, and I think who is probably the best set three-point shooter outside of Stephen Clay uh, in the NBA, you know, in the three-point contest, and to wear a Wizards uniform, I mean, that's even cooler. So I don't really care about the results too much because it's like, <clears throat> at the end of the day, what does that do for your resume? Like, that's not going to say much about who you were as a player, like, in the history of you. Like, that that may be, like, the tiny asterisk at the bottom of your resume. But, in, I mean, in the long run, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, I think that it uh, means more by itself, probably, that they even selected you to go because it's not like all these people get to go every year you know it's only a select few individuals so to see him recognized and have his game recognized and to be invited for that opportunity is uh, pretty unique in itself yeah i totally agree and i'm curious what your impressions are just on like the three-point contest itself as a whole because obviously the nba tries to teeter with these events every now and then to improve the quality of them and to make them more popular and we saw that this year with the three-point contest where as I mentioned earlier, they added the four-point shots. The two four-point shots sponsored my Mountain Dew, of course, with the green basketballs from deep range rather than just the regular three-point length. Um, so there's two of those. And do you think that added to the event at all? I mean, obviously, it boosted the score a little bit for players who made them. But, I mean, a lot of people would say that the three-point contest now is pretty much on par, or a lot of people enjoy it more than the dunk contests where it used to be the dunk contest was far and away the most popular event. But, I mean, yeah, obviously it was cool to see Bertans and everything, but from the big picture point of view, what do you think of the event itself? I mean, I like that they added the, um, and I believe, I don't mean to sound whatever, but the I believe the Mountain Dew shot was three points, if I'm not mistaken. Right, um, my, my, apologies. my apologies. Yeah, all good. I wasn't trying to correct you or whatever. I just no, I wanted to make sure I, I wasn't wrong on that. Um but yeah, so I like that, that they got to, and it's funny when, or not funny, but it's cool when you think about it, because it's like, if you lose by like two points or whatever, like if you had missed one of those money, those Mountain Dew shots, I mean, that's like, you know, you could have won the game. So it's pretty cool to think about stuff like that. You know, those shots mean kind of more. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, I don't really care about the all-star events as a whole. I don't really watch them and haven't watched them in a long time. But since we had um, Bertans participating and we haven't had someone participate in the three-point shootout in a while, I decided to tune in for that. But I didn't watch um, much of anything else. But I think that in a league that relies so much on shooting, that <clears> may <throat> be why the three-point shootout is more popular. I mean, honestly, the dunk contest sometimes is just kind of boring. But I think it's just because, like, there is nothing that we haven't seen at this point. And it's like okay. shooting. It's like, yeah, you know, everyone's either going to make or miss shots, but I don't know. I, I guess it's just a little bit more intriguing because they try and get, um, you know, I mean, they really do try and get the best shooters around the NBA and some people under the radar. You're like, 
oh, okay, I know he was a shooter, but I didn't know he was like this. So then, like, Buddy Heald, for example, like, no one knows that he shoots, like, 40% from three. Hey, I knew. You know? I love Buddy um, Heald. Yeah, I mean, he's a good shooter, not much good at anything else. But, um, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, I don't really care one way or another about the All-Star events, but I thought the Mountain Dew ball was pretty cool, I guess. Yeah. And what do you think of the field of three-point shooters they had? Because a lot of people were questioning, you know, why, not to take anything away from Zach Levine, but <clears throat> people were questioning, oh, well, should he really be in there? I mean, he's not, like, the greatest three-point shooter. And maybe that had something to do with him being from the hometown team, the Bulls. And then someone like Devontae Graham, too, who was like, eh, I mean, having a great year, good shooter and all, but is he really one of the best shooters in the league? I mean, we can debate that all day, but what do you think of the field of shooters? And do you think that they should look to add more players like Bertans, like more shooting big men? Because a lot of people, at least on Twitter, think that that could be something that would make the three-point contest more entertaining, you know, having more big men rather than just having guards and perimeter shooters. Yeah, I mean, I think they just find the best people overall that are going to make the competition um, more competitive. Uh, I mean, even we saw in the skills challenge, they had big men and like the big men were waxing the guards like the whole way through. And we know Bam won it, but like Bam was waxing guards the whole way through. Sabonis beat a guard, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you, you just want to find the people that are going to make it the most competitive, like um, the Mavericks big man, Kleber or whatever. He's a pretty good shooter. Um, you know, I think that he could have earned a spot in there. There are other shooting big men. Um, I can't think of any right now. Well, they had Kevin Love. They used to have Kevin Love, and I think he competed in a couple. I know he really doesn't have a job right now, but like Mar or he does, but not really at the time, I guess. But Marvin Williams would have been um, a good one, possibly to have. So I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of big men that could have been used. Yeah, I think the funniest part to me was right before the final round, they had uh, I don't know the reporter's name, but it was a female, and she was out on the court. And she was interviewing briefly uh, Bertans, and then Buddy <laughs> yeah. Heald and Booker were out to the side. And she basically just asked Bertans, I don't, I don't know the direct quote, but I'm pretty sure this is it. She basically just asked him, you know, what's the strategy um, for the final round? And he just straight up said to make as many shots as possible. And it's like, like yeah, of yeah. course. Like, Duh. you couldn't have asked a better question. Like, no right. offense or anything. But I just thought that was funny. But yeah, I mean... I guess that pretty much wraps up our talk on All-Star Weekend. Um, Now, moving into more Wizard-centric basketball. The important stuff. The important stuff. We are moving towards the second half of the season here. Um, I believe the Wizards' first game back is Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so they'll return to action Friday. Um, As you and Dom talked about on the last podcast episode, the Wizards did make a couple trades at the trade deadline, and their two players that they acquired were Shabazz Napier and Jerome Robinson. We now have a four-game sample size from Shabazz Napier, and I want to say three games from Jerome Robinson. Um, from your perspective, starting here with Napier, through four games, what have you seen from him? Um, and it's too early to say that it was a good acquisition by Tommy Shepard. When you look at the trades together, I still think that the team improved. So I would say yes, but I will always say that I think the Wizards could have gotten more for Jordan McRae than what they did. 
Uh, Napier is a solid point guard who is pushing the pace, is hitting his shots, and that was, uh, and he plays a little bit of defense, which is better than what Isaiah Thomas provided. So, in that aspect, I mean, I think we definitely improved the point guard position. And then Jerome Robinson, um, you know, he's still coming along. He's definitely um, going to need a lot more reps as we close out the season here. But he's a solid shooter, and um, you know, former lottery pick. They definitely have something to work with there, but. Um, I liked what I've seen relatively from both of them. Yeah, and you talked a little bit about Robinson. On the surface, his numbers aren't aren't the greatest, but, you know, context is important. Um, he didn't play in the first game that after, the, after being acquired by the Wizards, but then he played the next three games. Uh, averaged about 18 minutes, 4.7 points, 4.5 rebounds, which is pretty impressive. He had nine yeah. rebounds against the Bulls. Yeah. Only, only shot around 33% from the field, but... It seems like definitely between him and Napier, where both players are at in their career, and this isn't a slight towards Napier, but Robinson has higher upside, and he probably yeah, fits more course. into the team's long-term plans. Okay. So where does that leave Napier? Because the Wizards do have Ishmith, and now, of course, Isaiah Thomas is out of the picture. But Ishmith is presumably going to be the backup next year if John Wall, God forbid, is supposed to come back healthy and everything. So, like, is there a role for Napier to return to the team next year, or is it just depending on how he plays over the next however many games, do you think? I think it's going to depend because I think he'll be a coveted backup point guard in the offseason. So I don't know if they'll be able to resign him. If they did, he would definitely be uh, the third point guard. And who knows, and I was saying this on the last episode as well, and I'm not saying they should do this by any means. I'm just thinking out loud, but maybe if they want to, sign Napier for a cheaper deal and then try and get something for Ish Smith. Again, not saying I'd do it, but that's something that, you know, maybe they would experiment with and consider. Um, but I think even if they both stay on the team, I mean, I want Ish Smith out there playing, and I'm glad that Ish Smith is the starter mm-hmm. at this point. But, I mean, I like Napier in his game. And like you said, he's not really in the long-term plans. Like, he's on an expiring deal, which is why I say they could have gotten more for Jordan McRae. I mean, you're not telling me you couldn't have gotten a second-round pick or – you know, whatever. And given given that it went to Denver, and we know how McRae's play, you're telling me we wouldn't have been able to get a late first round pick. I mean, I don't know Tim Connolly and um, you know Tommy Shepard's discussion, but it just seems like they could have gotten more uh, for McRae than what they did. But yeah, Napier, I'm not so sure he sticks around beyond the season, just because I mean, what's the point of paying two backup point guards all that money when? <laughs> Again, you're betting on John Wall being healthy, and we know that with him, that's not always guaranteed. But I mean, that takes out a decent, takes up a decent amount of cap because you imagine they're going to go out there and try and get a wing in free right. agency. All right. Yeah, and I also think they're probably going to got more from McRae. But I mean, I think Shepard, he definitely was going to act in the best interest of the team, not just in the short term, but in the long term. So I guess he felt like these were the best deals to make. So obviously, I mean. A late first rounder would have been nice, maybe another second rounder or two, but it is what it is, and the Wizards have Napier and Robinson on the roster now. And shifting away from Napier, looking more at Robinson here, what do you want to see from him over the second half of the season? Um, not just from an individual perspective, but you know how he fits in the lineup and how Scott Brooks may be able to use him in the rotation. I want him to keep being a team player. He's really good about making that next pass. And, um, you know, like you were saying earlier, rebounding, that's something that this team needs. And he's been pretty good about getting in there and getting rebounds and pushing the pace. He does all those things. You want to see him work on his shot selection a little bit more. 
and then um, keep improving on that set three-point shot because that's one thing when the Wizards are going to push and transition, you want guys that are going to be able to run the floor and knock down shots or even hit shots within the offense. So um, definitely want to see him improve that as well. And then just um, being more comfortable in the pick and roll. So those are my three things from him. Yep, I totally agree. And looking back real quick on Isaiah Thomas, um, obviously a bit of a tum- a bit of a not so great first half of the year, and really forgettable yep. Wizards tenure overall. But not to harp on him too much because he's no longer on the team. But just seeing what Napier and Robinson bring to the table at similar positions here, do you think that it's fair to say it may have cost the Wizards a few games with? With his play, like if if they had Napier in his role throughout the first half of the season rather than IT, do you think they could have got a couple more wins? Oh, I think they definitely have more wins. But again, this goes back to Scott Brooks and a lot of fans' frustration with him throughout the season because no one's making him play Isaiah Thomas. You know, like he could have trotted out Ishmith as a starting point guard and then had Gary Payton in the second unit, and then I think all would be well. Right. So um, I blame that more on Brooks than IT, but. Definitely, it had a forgettable tenure here, and again, not to harp on him too much. And um, everyone pretty much has the same thought on him at this point, especially in a Wizards uniform. You know, good guy, um, good locker room guy, but just wasn't a good fit for the team. Yep, uh, well said. Um, so now, looking at the roster more as a whole, we are at the halfway point of the season. So why don't we take a look back at some of the players? And the Wizards, you know, they have had a lot of players who have been traded and missed time with injury. But really, the mainstays in the lineup have been Ishmith, Troy Brown Jr., Isaac Bonga, Beal, Bertans, and then Rui and Jan Mahimi, I suppose, and maybe Thomas Bryant and Mo Wagner as well. But just let's go down the list here. And I'm curious what your brief player grade or just player evaluation overall are for each player. So we'll start here with Ish Smith, who's played, I want to say, all 53 games for the Wizards, starting 16 of them, but he is going to be the starting point guard for the remainder of the season. So what what did Ish Smith bring to the table for you over the first half of the season? Yeah, I mean, he's a solid all-around point guard. The lightning-quick ability to, you know, change direction and get to the rim is extremely valuable. Um, you know, he's something similar to John Wall in that sense that he's going to want to push the pace, get to the rim to create offense. So I like what Ish Smith has done. He's definitely one of the more valuable players on the team at this point. All right. Um, do you care to give him a grade for his performance, or should we just hold off on that? A minus. A minus? All right, that's fair. Yeah. Right. I, I'd like to see him a little bit better defensively and make a little bit more of his shots, but again, we knew that he wasn't going to be that great of a defender, nor right. is he going to be that great of a shooter, even though, I mean, he's had some games where he's, he hit some really like tough three-pointers and contested mid-range shots and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'll give him an A-, minus, maybe an A. Yeah, I think that's fair. And like you said, he is shooting 35.6% from three this year, which is almost a career high for him. What's his career high? Uh, let me see. His career high is Probably like thirty-seven or thirty-six, maybe. Well, he has a career high of forty percent back when he Good played for the God. Warriors. Although he only took point eight threes per game that year, so I don't think that really counts. And then Andre Miller status, baby. Right, and then his other career high was his rookie year, thirty-seven and a half. But again, yeah. only took point three threes per game. So really, this is the only time he's shooting a decent amount of threes. 
on a high high volume threes, and he's matching that with solid percentage. So, props to Ishmith, who's exceeded expectations thus far. I would definitely say B plus or A minus at the very least. And moving along, the next player who leads the team in games played is Troy Brown Jr., who suited up in 50 games, starting 14 of them, uh, right around 26 minutes per game. His role has fluctuated a little bit, but he's kind of the thought out in the rotation as the de facto six man, if you will. Um, what are your thoughts on Troy Brown this season? Definitely uh, up and down is, I think, a good way to describe it. But I also will say that I think there's been more positive than negative. Uh, he's been more comfortable as the season has gone on, as we hopefully see his role defined a little bit more going forward as Brooks decides to be a little bit more consistent with the rotations now that we have healthy bodies and everyone can kind of get a groove and all that. But um, I like what I've seen from Troy Brown. You would like to see his shooting pick up a little bit better and just be a little bit more confident in his game. Um, but his defensive ability at times, uh, his presence has been felt. And he's been good in transition, and we know he's a pretty good passer for his size. So, um, but yeah, more positive than negative, I'd say. I'd give him uh, maybe I'll a, say B a B, a solid B. Yeah, solid. I was going to say B or B minus. I think that's fair, all things considered. But I mean, a lot of people, and you know, you and I have talked about how Troy Brown ideally would would cement himself as the starting small forward heading into next season. But at yeah. this point, like, does that even matter at this point? Because you really just want to see him play well and play at the highest level possible. And based on everything we see, we've seen so far this season, it seems like for him that's going to be coming in a bench role, you know, in a six-man role. So is that yeah. probably where you expect him to, to lie for the rest of the season? Or do you think there's a chance maybe he creeps back into the starting lineup at some point? Nah, I like Bonga starting and Brown off the bench. Brown's a guy who's going to need the ball to get himself going, and he's going to be—he's the only way he's going to do that really is in the second unit. So, um, I like him in the second unit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and you just mentioned Isaac Bonga, who we will talk about now, who surprisingly started 33 of 48 games on the season at the small forward position. Um, he's playing around 17, 18 minutes a game. His numbers don't jump off the page, but for a player like Bonga, his value probably goes beyond the be- beyond the box score, is fair to say. Um, what have you seen from Bonga, and do you think he's exceeded expectations? Um, to say he exceeded expectations, I mean, I guess, but in the sense that we didn't really know what he was going to be bringing to the table, so we weren't too familiar with his skill set. Right. coming in so i guess in that aspect knowing that he's kind of a defined player who can sometimes play defense and sometimes hit three pointers and occasionally have a nice drive to the rim um so i guess yes uh but i like bonga overall i think he's a like i said i think he's a good fit for the starting lineup because he's a guy who doesn't need the ball nor should have the ball he's a guy who's going to need to make cuts and uh make threes on the perimeter and again push the pace and transition which i think he's done relatively well and uh, more importantly, I think that he ends up guarding the opposing team's best perimeter player, which sometimes pans out, sometimes does not. But it's nice that they have some length to be able to throw on someone. Yeah, definitely. And I guess you can only say he has exceeded expectations because, like you mentioned, we really had no expectations whatsoever for him. I so, guess, yeah. 
Yeah, Bongus played pretty well, all things considered, I think. Um, still a bit raw and a little bit unknown, but oh yeah. What's, yeah. what's one thing that you think you or what's one area you'd like to see him really kind of make strides here over the next half of the season? Is it three point shooting? Is it just confidence or or what do you think? Um, I would say a tie between perimeter defense and ball handling. Yeah, I think that's fair because if he's able to become, you know, a, a capable ball handler and shot creator, that's definitely going to add more, not just to the starting lineup, but just to the offense overall. Because then that takes some pressure off, you know, Beal and the Smith and what have you. So, yeah, that would definitely be an interesting development for sure. And moving along here, uh, there's some player here on the list named Bradley Beal, who I guess has started all 46 games that he suited up in. And it looks like he's averaging 29 points per game, which is good, I guess. But, you know, what have you seen from uh, Mr. Bradley Beal this season? I mean, I did not expect him to overall play the way that he's played this season. I mean, he's been absolutely spectacular for the most part. Um, You know, sometimes in the clutch he tries to do it too much by himself, and sometimes he gets a little bit... Uh, lazy on the defensive end, but overall, I've been very impressed with Bradley Beal. He should have been an all-star, and at this point, I mean, he should be considered at the all-NBA level, Uh, but I've really enjoyed watching Brad this season, so I'm going to give him an A. Yeah, I agree. Do you think that there is any chance that, I mean, obviously, we know by now he was stumped from the all-star game and yada, 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 but do you think he can make an all-NBA team? I guess he would be looking at the All-NBA third team, but do you think there's any chance that that happens? I think that he has to be considered, and I'll tell you what, if they make the playoffs, I mean, it's it's it would be really hard in my mind to look at him and what he did with the team this season and really not give him a spot on third team. Yeah, especially, I mean, just looking at his numbers, like, obviously we know how good he's been, but his numbers are crazy. 29.1 points per game. assists and four and a half rebounds, which is just like you could not have expected him to put up those numbers even after what he did last year. Um, So, yeah, definitely very impressive from Buell overall. Uh, It's a shame he wasn't in the All-Star game, but we'll move past that. I think an A grade is certainly fair for him. Um, Then we have Davis Bertans, who we talked about already. Uh, being in the three-point contest, Bertans is the team's second-leading scorer at 15 points per game. He's also chipped in four-and-a-half rebounds himself, and he is among the league leaders in three-point shooting. Um, your thoughts on Bertans this season? Yeah, he's a really nice, uh, like Damo puts it, he's a luxury player. Uh, and he's been a perfect fit, will be even more of a perfect fit when John Wall comes back and hopefully, uh, you know, we re-sign Bertans and he's a wizard next year. So if not, this is going to be a massive flop by not trading him. Um, but I'll give him an A. You know, of course, a little bit of a defensive liability. You know, not the strongest guy. We know that. Um, he's practically a twig. But, man, his shooting is just something that we haven't seen in a wizard uniform before. And um, I'm really excited to see what he can do for us down the stretch as we try and make a playoff push. Yeah, I agree. Um, but for a player like Bertans, right, obviously we know what he is. You know, he's a shooter first, everything else second. But in terms of everything else, is there any aspect of his game, you know, based on where he is in his career thus far, 
that you think he could still stand to improve upon, or do you think that he could reasonably make strides as, say, a defender or a rebounder or a playmaker, or is it just, you know, he is what he is at this point? I think, actually, he's a pretty decent playmaker. The thing I want to see him is be more decisive when he drives to the rim because sometimes he gets caught and he doesn't really know if he's going to finish or um, if he's going to pass it off or does he want to pull up or whatever. So I would just say decisiveness when attacking the basket. And then what plays into that, like I said, with um, Isak Bong is ball handling. And um, I like to see him improve a little bit there. And, again, he's still kind of young, right? I mean, he's 26 years old. He's not really, like – that old so he certainly can still add some stuff to his game it's not yeah. like this is what Bertans is and he can't improve anymore he's not like 30 31 years old i also think his athleticism is a little bit underrated yeah yeah it is yeah. like he's he's the definition of what people would say deceptively athletic you know he's had and, like most of our highlight dunks i want to i want to say this year yeah, like when he if he gets an open lane to the rim, like he'll throw it down, and everyone's yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, like where did that come from? But it's like no, like if you've been watching the team all season, you know that Bertans can get up a little. So I think that's yeah. always cool to see. Um, moving along here, we have we'll skip past Isaiah Thomas because we you know he's no longer on the team, and we basically touched on him already. Um, Jan Mihimi, who has played in thirty three games, starting thirty of them. And if you had said before the season that Mahimi would have started 30 games for the Wizards, you probably would have shaken your head or put your head down in disappointment. But that is where we are. Um, Mahimi, Brennan, do you think he's played well? Is that fair to say? Or just well given our low expectations for him? I do think he's played well. You know, he's been an okay interior presence, an okay rebounder. Um but, you know, he's fit in the offense, and he's played really hard, and he's done some good things in the paint. So I like what Mahimi brings to the table. Of course, I'd rather have Thomas Bryant in there. But who would have guessed that Jan Mahimi would have been the most productive on the final year of his contract? Like, this is the best he's looked since we've signed him. And, you know, yeah. part of that, I guess you can say he's finally healthy and all that or whatever, but I like what Mahimi's brought to the table. That being said, he's still a little bit of a rocky player. Um, not the best player to have offensively at times, as we know, and then defensively sometimes is not quick enough. Mm. Um, but given the circumstances, and he's kind of come in in a year that he was supposed to be on the bench and just kind of um, just sleep through this last year, um, I'll give him a B-. minus. Yeah, I think that's fair because we really thought, like you said, he was just going to collect a check on his way out. Um, but no, I mean, he's played well. Um, he's averaging around eight points and six rebounds per game and a block, 1.3 blocks, which is far and away the tops on the team. So, yeah, I mean, respect to Mihimi, all things considered. I mean, do you think that based on how he's played, I mean, obviously it's very unlikely the Wizards give him another contract given they have Thomas Bryan, Mo Wagner. But do you think another team would look at him, maybe like a contender team in the offseason that needs a big body, maybe someone like the Rockets or, or the Clippers or somebody? Do you think another team would maybe take a flyer on him? Yeah, I think he's worth a vet minute at this point, but I definitely think that a team that needs a, a backup center or maybe like the Rockets who just want to put a body in there, I mean, yeah, I mean, they could definitely use him. So I think he'll play. He'll get one more contract or so, and then that might be it for him depending on the length of it. 
Um, but I would imagine just a one-year uh, vet min for him coming out this summer, which isn't a bad get for him considering, again, relatively speaking, I mean, in his minutes this year, he has been productive. So, Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, he's he's earned enough money over the past three to four years where I think he'll be comfortable taking a vet min just to play some minutes for a contending team. Yeah. Um, then we have Rui Hachimura, who we talked about a little. Um, anything you wanted to add on Rui's rookie year? No, I uh, just kind of want to see him, again, just look more comfortable, um, be a little bit better defensively, be stronger inside. Um, I think we've seen that a little bit through these games that he's been back now. Uh, obviously, keep improving that jumper because I think that's kind of – that's what's going to make or break his uh, ability offensively because we know he has the mid-range ability. We know he can post up. We know he's a decent finisher inside. Uh, we want to know if he's going to be able to attack off the dribble consistently and be able to hit the outside shot consistently. But overall, again, given the circumstances, um, I think he warrants an A-. minus. And you talked a little bit about his outside shooting, which surprisingly he's only shooting around 24% from three this year. But Yeah, not good. Yeah, it doesn't feel, at least from my perspective, it doesn't feel like he's been that bad of a shooter. but. He's taken 55 threes, and he's hit 13 of them. A lot of those came in the beginning of the season, I want to say. And then, obviously, he dealt with the in- the groin injury, and then he came back. But moving forward over the second half of the season, would you like to see him maybe step outside and take more threes? Or do you think, you know, if he's not, not going to hit a, a high rate of them, do you think it'd be the smarter idea to just kind of play within himself and focus more on what he's good at right now? I mean, I would want to do it. The, I would want him to do like at the end of the day, whatever Scott Brooks thinks is going to give the team the best chance to win. So if that means putting him in the high post and in the mid range a little bit more to uh, utilize his Carmelo like ability, in my opinion, then so be it. And if he wants him to really kind of get more confidence in his outside shot and kind of leave him in the corner on set, so that when Beal or Smith Driver, whoever that leaves him open, then I mean, you know, um, so be it. But, I mean, I would like to see him just kind of improve everything. Again, he's a rookie. It's not like he's a guy who's been in here for two or three years now where we know, like, okay, this is what this guy's going to need to work on. Like, he still kind of really needs to just work on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and moving along here towards the end of the list, we have your man, Thomas Bryant, who yeah. somewhat surprisingly has become a bit of a polarizing player amongst the Wizards fan base. Yeah. Definitely not the way this season would have gone we would have hoped would have gone for Thomas Bryan. Definitely not the way Bryan wanted this season to go himself, but he's only played twenty nine games. Um he was out for a while, returned from injury and was starting at the power forward spot alongside Mahimi for a few games and now is dealing with a similar what is it, a stress reaction in his foot, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's unclear if he's gonna suit up um returning here after all-star break, but, you know, from Brian, what has been your perspective on him this season? Cause you are maybe the biggest Thomas Bryant Stan um, amongst all of wizards Twitter, but are you, have you been disappointed with him or do you think the injury has just been holding him back or which, where do you lie on that? I think relatively, yeah, I've been a little bit disappointed, but some of the stuff again, are, are not really in his control. Like again, the injury and stuff, um, I'm sure that's been bothering him a little bit. And then, you know, he's not the one who's going out there and playing himself a power forward and making him 
um, LaCourse and making his defensive liability show more than what they already do at the center position. So again, that kind of stuff um, I try to consider when giving out a player grade. Uh, but, you know, I was hoping he'd beef up a little bit and be more of an interior presence. That hasn't worked out. I was hoping he would continue uh, to improve his outside shot and all that. Uh, hasn't really shown that so far. It's about as good as last year, if not maybe even a little bit worse, it feels like. I'm not sure what the numbers say on that. But uh, overall, I mean, I'm going to have to give him a C, maybe a C-. minus. Yeah, I think that's fair, all things considered. But, I mean, a lot of people are, have already begun jumping ship on the on the Brian hype train. But Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not, I don't think that's fair. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not ready to do that just yet. And, I mean, it sounds like you aren't either. No. Just because a player has a bad season, you know, doesn't or has an iffy season, again, riddled with injuries, been playing out of position for a part of it, like, not, like, not all of this is his fault. Um, but, you know, he was signed three years for a reason. He's a young player. He's still developing himself. It's not like he gets paid this big change of, this big, you know, uh, change of money, and he's going to come in now and be this finished, fine product. Like, this isn't what the Wizards signed up for, but this is what the market was going to pay him. This is what I figured before free agency. This is the type of money he was going to be making. So to say I was surprised he got it, no. And were we all happy about the signing at the time? Yeah. So we just need to let this play through. And, um, you know, if they have an option to upgrade over the summer, you know, they, they want to say, well, Wall and Beal, you know, we need to win this thing now and maybe they want to make a move for someone, then sure, consider it. And I think he has a very movable contract. But, um, you know, for now and going forward, I mean, I still definitely want to see him in a Wizards uniform and – just uh, hopefully he comes back soon and he can get in a rhythm as the starting five next to Rui and uh, he can play some good ball down the stretch to, I guess, ease Wizards Twitter. <clears throat> yep. And uh, just to shed a little bit more light into his injury, to be specific here, uh, Scott Brooks a few days ago said that his reevaluation on his foot went great, quote unquote, and he is hopeful that Brian can return to the court during the first game after the All Star break which is, in fact, Friday against the Cavaliers, thanks to yeah. Fred Katz of The Athletic for that report. When did that come out? That I don't was Fred, so I don't know. Three, two or three days ago, I want to say oh, that okay. came out. So, yeah, it looks like the arrow is pointing up on Bryant's chances of playing uh, on Friday. And last but not least here, we have Mo Wagner, who, like Bryant, has been out of the lineup for a while with a lot of different injuries, or I guess really just the one injury, but when he's been in the lineup, what have you liked from Wagner and what have you maybe disliked, if anything? Uh, I mean, overall, I mean, I think he's been a more effective player than Thomas Bryant this season. I mean, I think he's been the best center on the roster. Um, His shot's fallen off a little bit since he's been back from injury. I don't know if he's hit a three-pointer yet since being back from injury, but um, he's active defensively. He shows effort. He communicates. Good all-around player. I like Mo Wagner and what he's done this year. He gets an A minus for me. Yeah, I 100% agree. And you know, I've I'm a big Mo Wagner fan. Back from his days at Michigan, so I was ecstatic when the Wizards traded for him. And he's been everything we could have hoped for, and then some. And I think he's someone who can definitely get better too, because yeah, yeah, he has the foundation that you want, especially from a young center. He plays hard. He plays aggressive, and he's not afraid mm-hmm. to you know do the little things and do the nope. dirty work. So anything he adds, specifically skill-wise, offensively and defensively, is just icing on the cake for a player who 
is going to get minutes regardless because of his effort and intensity and hustle um, whenever he's on the court. And the fact that, you know, you mentioned his shooting has fallen off a little bit, which is disappointing, but I think that's going to climb back up and maybe level out. But just the fact that, you know, he's a threat, he's a capable threat from outside. Yeah, it draws people out. That does a lot offensively because it spaces the floor and gives Beal and Ishmith and the likes of the guards to uh, give them more room to drive and operate. So Yeah, and then um, I didn't answer this part, but uh, the things I would change about him and want to see him improve on is staying within his game. Because um, sometimes he gets a little bit too excited and tries to do too much. Mm. And then um, second, box out and rebound better. Because he's been one of the main reasons we've been so bad at rebounding. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's so aggressive and like plays so hard all the time. Sometimes it's just a matter of harnessing that energy and actually translating it into on-court results, um, like you mentioned. Um, I guess if you have any thoughts on someone like Admiral Schofield or Gary Payton, uh, do you want to chime in on any of those guys or, or no? Gary Payton, I think, is a solid B. Um, Schofield, I don't think that we saw enough of him. and I mean, because when he was getting minutes, it was really early on in the season. So, mm. um Gosh, I'll say maybe a C plus, maybe. I don't know. And there's Pass the Snakes, too. Our boy AP. Um, he's probably going to get a C, C minus for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, those guys basically in the same boat. I mean, Peyton has played more than Schofield and Pass the Snakes, but yeah. moving forward, you don't expect Peyton to really have too big of a role um, now that Napier and Robinson are in the fold. But yeah, Which I mean, is a I, shame because, like, I like Peyton, man. I like Peyton's game. He, you know, he, um, uh, another guy like Bertans where he's athletically underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of people know that he's going to rise up on him and throw it down like we've seen him do a number of times this season. Um, not the best shooter in the world, but can handle the ball a little bit, pushes the pace. Of course, is probably the team's best perimeter defender. Um, some people argue Troy Brown. Uh, but whatever, I think he's the team's best defender, and I would have been okay with him as the backup point guard instead of Napier, but um, I like Napier overall is probably a better player, but you know what I mean. Like, I would have been comfortable with him. So I don't know if he's going to have too many minutes in, um, as we close out the season here, but um, I hope that in some way, I don't know how they'll work it out, but I hope that he can remain in the organization somehow. I don't know if... Um, maybe he'll just kind of camp and wait until an injury next year or something, or maybe he comes back as the third point guard in case of an injury. But um, I'd like to see him stick around. However, we you know they work that out. Yeah, definitely someone you'd like to have in the farm system. And I mean that's ultimately the benefit of having a G League team, right? Is that that presents the opportunity to do just that. So hopefully, yeah. uh, Peyton is within the Wizards organization heading into next season. Yeah, I guess that pretty much wraps up our player evaluations. Now looking ahead towards the second half of the season, the Wizards are on the cusp of potentially making a run at the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, yeah. Currently in the ninth spot at 20 and 33, which is obviously not a great record, but they're only three games back of the Orlando Magic for that coveted eighth seed in the East. Unfortunately, they do have the fourth hardest schedule remaining in the NBA over the next few weeks. So, Brendan, two-part question. One, do you think the Wizards can reasonably make the playoffs? And two, what do they have to do in order to do so over the second half of the season? 
other than just win games? I, based on how they've played lately, I'm going to say that I think that they can. I'm just not 100% confident uh, that they will. Uh, as a matter of fact, at this point, no, I do not think that they will get the last, uh, the last seed. But they're going to have to play better defensively and rebound better, and I'm just not so sure that they're going to be able to do that um, as you close out. And I was telling you before we started here, 17 of the 29 opponents that the Wizards play remaining on their schedule are currently playoff teams. And we talk about the Cavs game that's coming up on Friday, a team that is the worst team in the conference, but they just got Andre Drummond. And so now they have Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, Tristan Thompson, and Larry Nance, all decent, um, you know, to above average or terrific rebounders in Drummond's case. You know, are they going to be able to compete enough on the glass to win games? And we know that, you know, the Knicks damn near out rebounded the Wizards by 20 and the Wizards won by 20. Um, but I don't think that that kind of thing is sustainable. So um, they're going to have to rebound and play better defensive basketball if they want to um, make a push here. Again, considering their extremely tough schedule. Yeah, and because of the tough schedule and all the playoff teams that they're going to have to play that you mentioned, they really can't afford to drop these games against teams nope. that they're comparable to in the standings or above in the standings, like the Cavs. I know you mentioned they have German now, but. I mean that's a game that that you need to win. You and need the to Bulls. be able to Yeah, you need to be able to beat the Cavs. You need to be able to beat the Bulls. And I mean before the All-Star break, they dropped a game against I want to say the Warriors, right? And then the Grizzlies. It was and and I know the Grizzlies are currently a playoff team I think, but I mean come on, they should have won that game. They had no business losing that game. Yeah, no 100%. And even if they are able to handle their business against most of the teams that they're better than on the rest on the schedule moving forward, presumably they're going to have to be able to steal somehow a game against a team that they're not supposed to win, you know? Yep. So with, whether that be like the Brooklyn Nets or even like the Portland Trailblazers, some, some game like that, they're going to have to steal a couple of those and they really can't afford to slip up at all. So it's a tall task in front of them. Um, doesn't sound like you're too confident they can do it. I'm not either, although I wouldn't rule it out entirely, right? No, I don't think that you can because, again, if, if they keep improving um, defensively, I think that at least gives them a better shot even with the rebounding issues. So, I mean, it really just comes down to, you know, they want to get out and run in transition. So what that does is it takes away people from the rim because they want to get out and run. And, again, they don't have many half-court scores either. So, yeah, I mean, transition is the right type of thing to do with a team like this. But, again, that takes away rebounders. So, I mean, Mahin, me, Wagner, Bryant, whoever, Rui, they have to be better rebounders to close out the season. If teams continue to get, continue to get second-chance opportunities, we're going to not only not make the playoffs, but they're going to slide in the standings as well and rather rapidly. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, I mean, that, that's well said. I think that pretty much wraps up our podcast recording here um unless there's anything else you wanted to add before we head out um no i think i'm good i just um i really i do want them to make a playoff push and i hope that they get that eight seed i just i'm just not entirely confident again with the schedule strength and all that i'm just not sure that that's going to happen yep but uh one way or the other we will be along for the journey um here 
Be sure to follow the DMV Sports Network account on Twitter at DMV underscore SN in all caps. Also, be sure to follow our podcast account at WGOP underscore podcast. Brendan, where can the listeners find you? Breezes Christ. All right, and you can find me at FrankJP0. Uh, we're going to try to get some more guests on here in the future because um, we did have Dom on for a couple episodes, and then we had Dom fill in for me last time, and those those episodes were well-received, it seemed like. So hopefully we can get some more guests in the future. Uh, if anyone listening is interested in hopping on as a guest, feel free to reach out, and hopefully we'll be able to get some mailbag questions in at some point as well. But other than that, I think that pretty much wraps it up. So uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. See you guys.